0: We came in during communion and bought roses to all the mothers, which was, which was really sweet, and, and all the women, actually. Today, the children are going to be bringing in anvils at the end of, uh, of the worship service for the dads in our midst, so if you see all first graders struggling with an anvil, you might help them out. They're pretty heavy. Um, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about fathering and what it means, and then we're going to bring some fathers up here to, um, to a- answer your questions about fathering, and it's not like Anybody's got this figured out, right, except God, our Father. Um, but uh, but we, we're, we're in the trenches and, and struggling through it, and I think that does provide some insight. But let me reflect just briefly on fatherhood in, in general and in, in the Scripture. Uh, everything starts with God when you're talking about uh, fathering, well, with everything. Uh, but here in particular, I want to bring up the, uh, the, the parable of the prodigal son. When we talk about uh, the the parable of the prodigal son, what we really, I I love the way Tim Keller talks about it, it's really the prodigal God because it's the God in the story, it's the father in the story, the prodigal father who does something surprising, which is to lavish his grace on uh, a child who's run away from him and turned his back on him completely. And if you're looking for one sort of central core message about fatherhood, you would go to this parable, I think, and you'd find at the very center of it what uh, we're talking about here, which is the grace of God. Um, In Luke 15, verse 17, this son, uh, if you don't know the story of the parable, the prodigal son, um, the son runs away, he turns his back, he takes his inheritance, and he goes and spends it in in wasteful ways, and he destroys his life, and he turns around to come back home, and he thinks, my father's not going to accept me, and here's, here's what happens. Verse 17, but when he came back to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? For the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate and that is the essence of fatherhood. The grace embedded in that story at the, the very center of it. Uh, creating an environment where, where, uh, where, where this son, in, in the midst of his sinfulness and his brokenness, could be welcomed back in. That's who the Father God is. From that foundation, all else is built. Now, we've all had varying experiences with fathers, no doubt, um, My father was not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but he was a wonderful man and is a wonderful man, and one of the things that I am so thankful for with him is that he created this environment of gracious favor. It didn't matter what I did. I came home, and he was excited about it, and always lavishing me with this sort of uh, praise and, and favor, and always astonished, if I did the littlest thing, always astonished at how amazing it was. And it created this, in, this environment uh, of grace and, and, and favor and forgiveness, and it helped me to transition then to my Heavenly Father, right? Because I had, I had experience with that kind of a Father. And so when, when, when God says, you know, for all that you've done, I've, I've declared forgiveness and, and my favor is upon you. It's like I had the furniture, mental furniture, to be able to understand that, that language. That was the gift that he gave me, and it was a beautiful gift, and I thank God for it. Help me transition to my Heavenly Father. Now, some of us, though, have had the opposite experience, and I want to acknowledge that this morning, a very different experience. The relationship from which we, we most craved affirmation and encouragement was continually a relationship of condemnation and discouragement. And year after year, we experience that. And to this day, we may still be experiencing that. Even if we're not under the home uh, with, with our Father, we may still experience that struggle and the pain and the suffering that goes with it. And it seems so, it seems so unfair sometimes. It seems so, so, so well, God, why would you create a world like this? And I think part of the answer is, is this, is, is whatever the nature of our Father, we all share this most important need. And that is that we're to come now to our Heavenly Father, who has no shortcomings and failures, and who loves us and lavishes grace upon us. And our earthly fathers were only ever meant to get us to our Heavenly Father in some sense, by hook or by crook, by by a, by a negative example in some ways or by a positive example in some ways. And, and all of our heaven, our earthly fathers are a mixture of negative and positive example. But at the end of the day, they were only meant to point us to our heavenly father, who's the only one who will not let us down, is the only one who, 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 who fathers in a perfect way. And so I want to say, as we talk about fathering on the on on the earthly side a little bit this morning, I want to first lead out with this point, And that is, that if you haven't made the shift yet to your Heavenly Father, that is the most important thing that you can do. To accept that, that all the sin that you've committed in this life has been atoned for by Christ, your older brother. He stepped in to take it on himself. And because of that atoning sacrifice, God's favor is upon you. And it reaches deep past all of your sin and failure and struggle. And it is secure. And it is eternal. And it is powerful. God's favor. And we step into God's favor when we receive The forgiveness that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Our older brother who took upon himself all of our sin. And so whatever we're talking about in terms of fathering today, that is the most important thing. And on the other side of that transition to our Heavenly Father, we find uh, through the work of the Holy Spirit, empowerment to live out the life that God has called us to live. And that includes fathering here on earth. And so earthly fathers are charged with reflecting the Heavenly Father, which is, first of all, is to provide that loving, grace-filled environment. Um, we like titles, men as men, and so um, we could call ourselves the, the chief grace officer in the house, right? The C-G-O. That's really your, that's really your big title. You are the chief grace officer. Um, they should know that if they were to to go down a wrong path and, 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 and make a mess of things that when they turn that corner on the way back home, we would run too. We would run to them. And we will run to them. And daily we run to them to, to bring them back in and to show them that favor and that grace. And there's no way we can do that. We can't be the chief grace officer without the empowering of our Heavenly Father. And even then we fail. We need to come back to Him again and ask for help to carry out this tall task. And then we need to run back to Him when we fail. And I'm, I'm thinking that this morning there are probably fathers who are in our midst laboring under tremendous guilt for having failed to carry out the task of fathering. And I want to remind you, if, if that's who you are this morning, of the forgiveness and the freedom that comes from the Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. That it's not over yet. That your failures do not have to completely shape the future. But that God is still in the business of transformation. And that there's freedom and forgiveness for you even as you struggle with how you've fallen short of the tremendous call that it is to be a father. I need to hear that message. I need it daily. Okay, now, in addition to being the chief grace officer, there's a few more tasks that we find in Scripture. These are ultimately all forms of God's grace as well. But some things that I'll just rattle through very quickly about the nature of fatherhood in the Scripture, in the Old Testament and the New Testament. First of all, we find that the father is to serve as head in the home. And uh, this is not about power. It's about responsibility. It's about taking responsibility. It's not about savoring or enjoying power in any way, but it's about taking responsibility. Men, we have a tendency to um, disconnect, disengage from what's going on in the family. And these verses in Scripture that talk about the, the headship, that they call us to, to re-engage and to step up, to put down the remote, to get off the couch, and engage in the family and be, take responsibility for what's going on there. That's what the Bible teaches. We can't do that without God's help, but that's what we're called to do. We're called to model faithfulness to God, to our families, to let our kids catch us on our knees in our study, praying fervently, right? To let our kids see a Bible that's worn out and, 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 and torn up because it's been used so much, right? To model faith, our faith to our children. Um, to provide for the needs of our children, generally speaking, uh, to provide for the family. Now, there are lots of special cases uh, around this, and um, this is not a hard and fast rule that only the the father works and the the mother does not by any stretch of the imagination. Um, But there's a sense in which, there's there's a sense of responsibility to make sure that the provision is happening in the family, we have all kinds of there may be seasons where that's not appropriate. There may be cases where um, the wife is working more and, and, and that's great and fine, wonderful. But as long as the, the, the key thing is that it's it, the family is being provided for. We see in scripture that the, the father is to defend the family. And how I understand that the father is to take the brunt of whatever blows come on the family, to be the first one to lay down. That's what Jesus did. And, and it says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Um, Jesus took the brunt, the blow, and as fathers were to take the blow first and foremost for the family. We're the first ones to go without, the first ones to suffer. We shouldn't have the best of everything uh, in the family. We should, we, should, we should be the first ones to, to, let, to, to, to take the brunt, to take the blow. The Bible tells us as fathers were to di- discipline and instruct. Now, this is interesting how these two go together. Um, we're supposed to help our kids know what to do and then to help them know what not to do. And both of those are forms of grace. And the balance of those two is really tricky. If you don't get it right, the Bible says, you'll be provoking your children or exasperating your children. And so we need to get the balance right on that. And we don't have time to unpack that right now, but discipline and instruct. Um, And serve the community. We find the father often represented the family at the gate in the Old Testament, sort of an elder at the gate, represent the household. And then lastly, we see language about providing an inheritance, a legacy, to leave a legacy, not just financially, but to leave a legacy for the children that come after us. Now, um, that's kind of the quick run-through list. It's a big list. And I know if you're a father or if you know a father, you're sitting there and going, wow. If, if you're a father, you're going, oh, man, um, that's overwhelming. If you're not a father, you're saying, Whoo, glad I don't have to harry that list, right? Because um, it's a big list. And we can't do it. There's no way. We can't do it without God's help. And so I go back to my previous point. If you haven't come to your heavenly father first and foremost, then come to him soon. Come to him today. Because he is the only one who can empower you to carry out this list and when you fail, to forgive you and pick you up and dust you off and put you back on the way and help you go. Now, the other part of how we do this is through community. Community, we support one another in fathering. It's a beautiful way. We've got men meeting together in this congregation, more and more so actually, which is really wonderful for sort of intense accountability and strengthening and working together and and struggling through the issues. And I'm so excited about that going on, and I I pray it continues more and more. And it's kind of an extension of that this morning. We're going to invite three men to come forward and share with us uh, a little bit as we ask questions about their experience with fathering and, and parenting. Now, let me introduce the panel, and then I'll bring them up. First of all, uh, Dennis Tuma is going to come up. Dennis uh, um, has been a part of this church for a while. Actually, been, Dennis and his wife Vivian have been friends of ours for uh, probably a decade uh, in, in, in just ministering sort of next to each other and, and, and having that relationship. Our kids have been together, and Dennis and his wife are, are part of this congregation now, and, and um, Dennis has been leading the charge on a lot of those, uh, those small groups with men. Um, he has six children. He and his wife have six children Um, Two are are, uh, post-high school. Uh, The rest are in high school and elementary school. Dennis is a native of Texas, but actually raised in Los Angeles. Uh, He came to Christ as a junior at UCLA. And uh, I asked each of them to say, give us a word or a phrase about fathering. What what, what would you say? What is fathering? And and Dennis said, marathoning. Because it takes an ever-changing strategy and ongoing effort over a long haul. Great. The second uh, member of our panel is John Iwawaki. Uh John's an East Bay native. Um, he's uh, lived in Oakland and Hayward. Um, John is married to Nicole, and they have two children. And um, one of the things that I, that I, that I said as we did our mother's panel and this panel, I said I, I, I wanted to have parents who had experience through the teenage years um, John and Nicole's kids are not quite there yet, but John's a junior high school uh, science teacher, so he's got lots of experience with teenagers, so um, so he, he comes from that angle as well. Um, he came to faith uh, very early on in life, and when I asked John, what would you say, a word or a phrase for fathering, um, he just gave this simple word, legacy, legacy. Now, uh, Dave Monk is the third member of our panel, and uh, Dave is from Santa Clara, and he's uh, moved to Berkeley to, to go to college originally and, and never left. Thankful for us. We're grateful for that. Um, came to faith as a child. and He's been involved in, in ministry uh, since his 20s. And um, uh, Dave actually is, is a single dad, and so we wanted to have that represented uh, to, to this morning too if we could, and, and so I'm grateful for that. And uh, when I asked Dave what uh, word he would say or phrase, he just simply said, blessing blessing. So with that, I'm going to invite these three to come forward and we're going to take some questions. We've got an actual Twitter feed. If you have questions that you want to ask us that you think of while we're talking, then please just go ahead and tweet those. Um, If you uh, don't have a Twitter feed and somebody next to you does, steal their phone and just tweet it that way. Um, And then we may also run around with a microphone depending on how many questions we have and uh, get some questions that way. (laughs) so Dennis is on the far end and John Iwaki is here and Dave is on close to me and I'm going to ask you a first question that will come from me and uh, I just want to ask you how do you define success as a father how do you define success as a father and feel free to answer in any order
1: I was thinking a lot about that question. Um, for me, in the short term, it's kind of like raising kids that are ready for adulthood at 18. Not too much later. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, uh, success for me would also be like a lifelong relationship with my kids that's close. And, you know, that my kids would be of faith. And in the, the ultimate would probably just be that, you know, at my death, they would bless me you know that they would that they would rise up and call me blessed so yeah
2: um it's a really difficult question i i found i had a hard time with that um first of all I, I thought you know we heard on the mother's day panel that um the kids don't really belong to us that we're really they're really god's children and we are stewards of that and so um we need to be good stewards um, I, like Dave, answer that at the end of my life that somebody might look back and say, you know, he was a, a good father. But I, I guess um, it's a work in progress. I don't want to say, you know, well, look at my kids. I'm successful. That's, you know, it's not over. And, um, and I'm still learning and still getting better. Um, but but I, I think the more that I exhibit qualities that we see that, uh, that Andrew talked about of, of discipline and love and grace and patience and all those things that i see in our heavenly father the more i become like that the more successful i think i'll be
3: if you would ask me that 20 years ago i would have answered it differently than i would 10 years ago than i would today (laughs) Um, and that's it really the success for any of us is to finish faithful and fruitful as a follower of jesus and i think where that's different for me now as it applies to being a parent is i realize that uh, in fathering and parenting children It's to release them to a world that is very challenging and to deal with their own self-centeredness and flesh and the devil and everything else that's very challenging and mitigates against that being successful. And so I think where that's shaped then is I kind of want my, not kind of, I do want my children to have grown up uh, under our shepherding, having faced a tremendous amount of difficulty and helping them learn how to deal with those difficulties successfully. So that they can finish faithful and fruitful.
0: Good. Here's a question that uh, just somebody just posted: How did your role as a father shift from toddler phase to elementary age, and then from elementary to teenagers?
1: (laughs) Um, Quickly. Um, I've, I've enjoyed every phase so far of parenting, (laughs) minus a few days here and there. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I think the, one of the biggest accomplishments really, when I realized my kids were physically safe, like they wouldn't fall down when running down the street, that was a major accomplishment. And, uh... You know, you, you know, what I'm saying like they they were not necessarily needing to have my physical protection right near them all the time, and then it's a huge blessing to see them growing up and engaging in ideas and faith and uh, learning and questioning me and yeah. So it's it's all good.
3: Uh, for myself. Uh... I have to deal with myself and deal with the kids, I think. Uh, for me, I realize that uh, parenting in many ways is God parenting you as a parent. Um, the principles that I think we apply as parents are really principles that apply to all of life. You're just having to do it with a specific person, and you're having to apply those things to yourself. So the transition from, I think, the little kids to older kids, there's, I, I could probably go on for a while, but let me just mention two. Uh, one of them is uh, expectations. I realized growing up, I had this idyllic expectation that this child was going to have this perfect world, and if I did certain things, the kid would turn out a certain way. That's that's rubbish. That is rubbish. And I had certain stereotypes that I'd kind of bought into. And on the stereotypes, I think I, I didn't have any kind of a Christian background at all until I came to college. Uh, and then I get in this world where... Uh, one stereotype was amongst some people is if you homeschool, then everything will, you know, everything's going to go right. That's rubbish. That's a stereotype. And, and the stereotype is no, education is going to be public, private, homeschool. It has to be whatever fits you. And so I think this transition was in many ways not just focusing on the kid, but what is God doing in you? That's That's really. What you want them to do, because they're going to have to all their life go through that. So first, parenting is about you, and what is God teaching you? That's why it applies to all of you. If you're not a dad, it doesn't matter. That applies to you. Expectations and these stereotypes. Secondarily, practically speaking, when it came to the kid, it, it's in many ways learning how to appropriately balance responsibility that they can handle. That as they they step up, and when you give a child responsibility, you're going to see them fail buck the system, I don't want to do the chores, I don't want to, you know, whatever it is. And there's got to be this this room for them learning how to assume responsibility and assume privileges that come with that. And that's a messy process. That is really messy. And here's what I would say in that, it's messy. It's messy. And learning how to be messy because people are messy. And you know how I know that because I'm messy. So, uh, I just have two, two ways
2: that it changed the, the, the two benchmarks that stand out to me was when they could um, get their own breakfast <laughs> that was amazing and then also the transition from uh, like Candyland to strategy games so I can play um, <laughs> we can play Risk or Settlers of Catan or you know really fun games now those are, that's how it's changed
0: <laughs> That's good. Um, I'm going to jump in here too. I think you know there is something about elementary phase. I mean, the toddler phase. You just if they don't run into the street, great. You know, you've succeeded uh, on some level. Um, but you know, the the elementary stage is really you really can pour into and they receive your instruction and you get that. And then that transition to the teenage stage, that has to. You know, you're used to just sort of telling and pouring into that really has to shift so that you're becoming more of a partnership now in the decisions that are being made and, and releasing them. And, and you, you submitting to their wishes at times as much as possible, as much as it's good and healthy, and that, that was a big transition. Let me ask another question. Um, how can a father model his faith for his kids?
3: Um, I, I don't think that's a very complicated answer um, because you want them to do what you should be doing, just at a, an appropriate level. Um, so for example, I got a couple kids in the audience right now. As is, is, is I talk, are they going, that's right, I, that's kind of who my dad really is. Are they saying, no, he's putting on a show, or that's really not who my dad is, <laughs> right? So kids are we really- <laughs> Well, I I think we're at that place. I hope so. I hope they go. Yeah, he's pretty messy, and he's pretty okay at sometimes. And but you can, does that make sense? It's it just has to be real for you. If it's not real for you, you lose. You have lost. And and what that means to is, and and we've got to be honest. W- w- life is pretty messy, and it's pretty challenging. And man, I'm one self-centered, stubborn dude. Why would I expect my kids to be any different? I make excuses for my behavior and actions, why would I expect them to be any different? I know that's stepping on a few toes here. I see the, you know, <laughs> chuckles. But, but does that make sense? All, all this really means is walk with God and prioritize your relationships are important. For example, love your spouse if you're married. Love your spouse, you know, first and foremost, priority-wise compared to your kids. Because I want my kids to love their spouse when they get older and have kids. I mean, it's not that hard. And that's where the real rub is, and that's where I would say, lastly, It's really hard to do that in isolation. I need other people, my wife and other men in particular, to kind of help me sober up to the reality of who I am and grow appropriately, to honestly really deal with life and God where life is really, really at. I'm gonna
1: get preaching here if I keep going You ready? Okay. Um, For me, it's been a complicated journey because I uh well for a lot of reasons but um I since I only have my kids half time I feel like I have to be more more intentional but it's also more intense and those are same root word I think (laughs) um but I uh I just try to involve my kids in the actions of my faith and that includes service or love or caring um, worship. And so um, community, being involved uh, with my friends at church and building relationships with other people and, and uh, fellowship. Um, yeah. It's, a, it's the heaviest responsibility for me, I think. And, and I, I, uh, I pray. That's how I do it. I just pray for my kids every day. I think that they know that, but I pray really hard for them. Uh, I, I had three
2: things. How do we model our faith, right? Um, uh, one of the things, uh, I think the biggest thing is, is when we make a mistake, we acknowledge our mistake. Or I acknowledge my mistake. I, I want to. I should. To my kids. You know, I make mistakes with my kids um, all the time. And, and I need to acknowledge to them that I made a mistake and ask for their forgiveness And so I want to model that for them um, so they can mirror that back to me and mirror it uh, to their Heavenly Father as well. Um, I also want them to see that in the way that I treat their mother. I think that's uh, incredibly important. And and thirdly, I want us to serve together as a family. And that's how I want to model our faith. We're going to learn that and do that together.
0: They're really great questions, and it's going to be hard because they're not—they're not coming. In. But I'm picking maybe what would be a messy question here, um, <laughs> just to stir things up. How can we as women support our husbands and hear our concerns respectfully? <laughs> <laughs> it says, "How can we uh, as women support our husbands um, and hear our concerns respectfully?" So maybe tackle that first part if the second part's not as clear.
3: How
0: can we? <laughs> How can we, as women, support our husbands?
2: I think, uh, as a woman, you should insist that your husband be the spiritual leader of your house. And we we get the model of a of a marriage in the New Testament, where Christ sacrificed Himself for His bride. And we get the model of, of the church submitting to the head, which is Christ. And so we see that we see that in the New Testament, and so that should be reflected in our marriage. And so as, as my wife, um, my wife does insist that I be the spiritual leader, and I don't always want to be. And, um, but I, we're called to be that person in our family in our home but I do need to to answer the second part that's that's a hard part I mean I I need to communicate with my wife that's more of a marriage question I think probably mm-hmm. but um, but I guess I'll throw it in here it's it's really important to be part of a, a team when you're you know when you're raising your children so so when we disagree, I want that to happen um, somewhere else, away from my children, and we'll work it out. And then when we're with our children, then we want to be a united front. I guess that's just sort of a practical application. My kids are listening.
0: <laughs> Taking notes. Mom and I never disagree. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, I, uh,
3: there's a lot uh, I think I could say more so of how I can support my wife um, uh, let me just leave you women then with two things um, I agree with what John said that's it, so uh, insightful and, and important uh, secondly I would say um, choose what you want to talk and address in your marriage and parenting um, I know for myself, I have a big family, and and, and even if you don't have a huge family, life is just really hard and challenging. I mean, let's just call it what it is. Life is demanding. And if you want all 972 things addressed, you're going to get not only 972 things not addressed, you're going to have additional problems to deal with because it's overwhelming. We don't live in a perfect world. We don't live in this idyllic, you know, everything's right. So what's the most important thing? And learning to focus on just the most important things and and learning to let something slide. Uh, So that would be the second thing. The third thing would be encourage your husband uh, to be involved with other men. I can take another man and say things very differently and more straightforward and be with and for that man in a hard way or soft way and get a lot accomplished differently than you can as a, as a wife. Amen. You know what I mean? I love it when men speak into my life because I don't, I don't have that dynamic and so that's one of the reasons I think wanting to have men-on-men relationships because, you know, it's easy for me to say to a man, man up, dude, or Let me help, let's help dissect whatever it is to help you become a better man uh, and if you as a, as a wife would encourage that, support that, go ahead, meet with the guys. Then you've just built a whole team around your success, not just you having to be successful yourself. So,
0: I'm going to end with this question, uh, which is, what have you learned about the love of God from becoming a father yourself?
1: I was hoping you'd ask that. No, um, <laughs> Actually, I remember when my daughter Clara was first born um, that I grasped so much more about God's love in general just by having this little baby in a crib and how um, you know the immenseness of my love for my kids It, it helped me understand what God you know might possibly feel in my, my I'd say I, I don't love as well as God does certainly but it inspires me and it also makes me better understand even in my own discipleship when I screw up or when I am imperfect or when I am a jerk how you know I guess how much it would pain my heavenly father <laughs> so I mean I get frustrated with my kids because I care so much you know, and so I've learned a lot about um, God's love for me and God's grace as a necessity for for parenting.
2: Yeah that's exactly what I would say. I I can't... um, God's love and His patience for me and uh, the way He's forgiven me over and over and over for the same things Things that I should know better, and I do anyway, and he loves me anyway, and he forgives me every time. <clears throat> and all those things, you know, I, I watch, you know, I see my kids make the same mistakes, and I have to forgive them every time. And, and I, I just think about the way, that it, the, the way that it pains the heart of God when I sin. And when I should know better and yet you know I screw up again and still he loves me anyway and it's um, I, can't, uh, I can't say enough about it That's, it's been the most amazing part of parenting is to it's the way that changed me most um, about parenting is to understand uh, how God is with me
1: can I say one more thing? Um, I used to wonder how God could hold in His big hands all the complexities of my life in this world and the good and bad of me. And so, in a similar way, I kind of get it now that I'm a parent. How I can, on one hand, you know, have fun and laugh, and at another time, you know, discipline, and another time, teach, and another time, weep. You know all these different parts of life and of wholeness like it's kind of cool that that or I think kids benefit from having all of that range of experiences with their with their dad
3: really good guys really good Um, I'll leave you with two words Uh, one of them is uh, control and the second one's reality Uh, I I think this process has helped me realize that in many ways I wanted to engineer and control my life and the whole parenting process realizes you don't have control and it God was so kind to help me realize that if I did get the world that I wanted I would be unhappy and everybody else would too (laughs) I really don't want the world that I want I really want the world that God wants and that that's a painful process of going from here to here and a hard process but once you arrive it's like I'm not in control thank God And the God that that is in control is that much better than I thought. So that's number one. The second thing is reality, and and that's the reality that I thought I was a better person than I actually was. (laughs) You know, I'm not that bad of a guy until I have kids and you have to deal with life, and what happened is it just kind of squeezes the ugliness out. And it's like, did that really come out of my mouth? (laughs) Did I really do that? And so it helped me realize that we really are worse off than we think we are. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is that much better Mm -hmm. than we ever thought. So it's this bitter sweet. The bitter is we really are bad off. And the sweet is God is so much better than we ever dreamed of, ever, ever dreamed of. There is hope in that situation, whatever you are in and whatever I'm in. So those two issues of control and reality, I think, have yeah. been a blessing because of parenting. Yeah.
0: So great. Thank you three so much for being willing to be up here. Yeah. Really- yeah. Um, I, I feel like this is a, a teaser. I mean, the questions that, are, that have come through, I would love for us to have time to address them all because they're just great questions. And I know that you're feeling, too, that there's more to talk about here. And so I want to encourage you, um, if you want to get in that conversation a little bit more, um, Dennis is going to hate me, but talk to Dennis (laughs) about um, some of the groups that we're pulling together uh, to be able to continue that conversation a little bit more. Because um, this is part of what it means to grow, is to be able to talk these things out and ask hard questions. And so we've had a taste of that and some great thoughts and and answers. And and so, Lord, we give you the glory and we thank you for what you're doing here. As we take communion this morning, we want to uh, come forward in the knowledge that you, in fact, are our Heavenly Father. You love us with a great love, um, one that we're only beginning to fathom. And, And sometimes fatherhood pushes us to understand that love more fully. And uh, sometimes watching fathers or struggling with our fathers, all of that can push us to understand your grace a little more fully, and we thank you for that. And so uh, we're going to invite you this morning to come forward and and share communion. On the night that uh, he was betrayed, uh, the Lord Jesus took bread, and we had given thanks. He broke it, saying, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Lord, as we come forward this morning, show us your grace, show us your mercy, show us your love. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This table is open to anyone who has come to faith in Jesus Christ. We invite you down the center, and then you can take the bread and dip it in the cup and go back on the outside. And there'll be some people there to pray for you. Uh, if you're a father and you want prayer for fathering, then we'd love to pray for you. For anything that you have, we'd love to pray for you.